so glad you found us on the map. An addiction podcast. I'm Kimberly Walsh, and I'm here with my partners in crime, the mighty Andy Panda Bernstein. Mighty, I like that. That's, you like that? You're getting it right. You're 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 <laughs> you're following the. Um, yeah, thank you. The gregarious Chris Perrylon. And the incomparable Willie Drinkwater. An expert in the field. <laughs> expert in the field. Um, quick background on us. Chris Long has been in this industry for many years, helping people get into treatment. And Andy has been an advocate for mental health and addiction uh, with Crosscheck Radio and his own experiences. And I am in long-term recovery and the founder of Brady's Landing. We put the podcast together because we are passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health and addiction. And we believe that the more light we shed on these topics, um, the less people will stigmatize and punish those who suffer from these diseases. Um, so let's get started, you guys. I'm going to turn this to Andy. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. How are you all? Everybody good? good? good. Living Once the good. COVID dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's the new now. So I think we all have to just realize that it's probably going to be who knows. So um, hope everybody's doing well, staying safe. Mr. Drinkwater, thank you for joining us. All right. My pleasure. So before we get into talking about modalities, which you guys are experts on, I'm not an expert, although um, I'll chime in. Um, but before we get started with that, um, you know, there's some disturbing news out there. And, you know, obviously we're in the COVID and no disrespect to the COVID and what's going on and the, the, the people that we have lost and the sheer numbers. The world of overdose and uh, addiction is rising high. And U.S. News World Report, it was just reporting from the CDC that uh, they believe 70,980 people have overdosed in 2019, which is up from 67,850 in 2018. Now, imagine a full, just, just throwing this out there, imagine Gillette Stadium full right? Or an NFL stadium. All those people died. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, so the, other, uh, the other crazy thing is that when you want to that perspective, a few years ago, um, <clears throat> one of those big jet planes, you know, the, the ones that carry like three or 400 people. Imagine that every single day. Yeah. It's every single day. It's crazy. But the article goes, so hold on. So the article says that it's not just opioids anymore, or it's synthetic, it's not just pills, it's synthetic opioids such as fentanyl and then meth and cocaine are also um, part of the equation. And so um, Dr. Michael Bennett from TC Chen School of Public Health at Harvard said that it's no longer being called an opioid crisis. It's really the addiction crisis and that overdoses are a late stage and result of a number of factors that lead to people being addicted and using substances that predisposes them to overdose. Of course, that's pretty um, obvious, but what they were saying is while people have been saying the opioid crisis in, is in decline, the reason for this is that it's the rise in meth and cocaine Synthetics. Yeah. Yep. And that she says that because there's not a level of treatment 
for stimulants or not as big as uh, so you know, the numbers are a little misleading right now when you or, you know, what we're misleading saying, oh, well, the opioid crisis is in decline, which is not it, which may be true, but meth and cocaine are on the rise. So I'm throwing that out there. Chris, you know, better than than I, Kimberly, Willie. So. Uh, so with the whole meth and cocaine, we used to um, back in 2016, you know, we'd have people that were <clears throat> um, going crazy shooting cocaine, like shooting cocaine, which is insane. And you couldn't get them into detox for it because apparently it's not an addictive, it's not considered in, in a detox an addictive substance and there's no detox yeah. for it. So well, like it shied to- in there, Chris, too. I mean, in, in the old days when I worked the detoxes in the middle 90s, if someone called up with a cocaine addiction and you would you would say to them, and you've been drinking too, right? And they exactly. go, no, I drinking. It's like, right. and you've been yes, drinking you too. Yeah, right. I mean, right. now you can get people into treatment for, quote, just cocaine, but not in right. the old it's days. It's still difficult. And you still, it, it really is who's on the other end of the phone. So when you have, you know, and math is the other one. So like, yeah. think about, for, for somebody who is not an addict, for me personally, when I talk to somebody who is a meth addict, okay, and they're like, yeah, I've been up for like nine days. I maybe have slept three or four hours. They haven't eaten. They barely drink, even though it's still, you know, how, how do people function? So when you stay up in the meth, you know, then all the mental health stuff comes from lack of sleep and all that stuff kick in. And that's where all... You, know, you keep any human being awake for three or four days, they'll begin to hallucinate. Imagine somebody awake for a week, week exactly. or nine days. Remember I'm Mike Lindell from, will he remember Mike Lindell from? Uh, yeah, I don't want to, but go ahead. I don't know, right? <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I'll, that's another story for another day. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Mike Lindell was up for like three days straight on yeah. cocaine. and then his Yeah, dealer- he was talking about how the dealers were refusing to sell to him. <laughs> because it was just, it was so out of his mind that the dealers were refusing to sell to him. Yeah, this so, is our yeah. My Pillow founder, um, yeah. oh! former, former crack addict to see my yeah. My Pillow that Trump Trump lays his head on every night. Is, all right, uh, we're not going there. Right, no right. politics, no politics. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. So going back to like this whole statistic and yes. whatnot, yeah. Uh, yeah. the opiate epidemic, which actually is a pandemic, but the world will not acknowledge it because if you look at the definition of a pandemic, it's something that starts. That goes around the country. So it's a pandemic. It will not be acknowledged as a pandemic, Mm, but it's a pandemic. It's not on the political agenda right now. That's part of it. It's not, nobody's talking about it. It's the forgotten forgotten disease. It'll be back though at some point. Two years, two years. Yeah, but it's still, you know, the COVID takes precedence and, and that's, where it is and we're not um addiction hasn't been in, in for two years is that what you're saying it hasn't been in the head no, no no it won't be it won't be on the forefront we were just getting the momentum and being on the forefront and being acknowledged and getting the funding and getting the the support and and COVID acknowledgement it mm. covid came in squashed it we're back at the bottom of the line I yeah mean, yeah no i mentioned a few weeks back back chris chris yep. too how with with the COVID going on now, it's almost like stigmas come back into addiction and mental health. 100%. Oh, that's just mental health. And it's all about the COVID. Now, you know, the emergency room, I think I told you about the client that I had that they were telling him to get out of the ER. He's saying, I've got mental health issues. I need to talk some, to somebody. And they're telling him, get off the campus. We're trying to deal with the COVID here. You right. know, this was, this, you know, the security guards and stuff. So It's insane. It's, it's, it's infuriating. It's 
it's just it's unacceptable but we're not we're not being heard their phones not being picked up it's i will get to it tomorrow i will get to it tomorrow and yet the rips on social media are skyrocketing yeah. i got a message from a friend who uh son lost yet another friend uh somebody that he was close to um she was found dead in a park alone she had overdosed in a park alone that's how unacceptable old? How, how old i think she was probably in her 20s she was in her 20s but that's just unacceptable yeah you know that's just it's it's that's somebody's daughter that's it's somebody's some, child you know yeah life got tragic and I, I will put in documentation, I have a feeling that 2020's numbers are going to surpass 2016, 2017 numbers. I really Mine. do. Uh, not combined, yeah. but it's going to, because 2016 and 17 are pretty close in numbers. And I, I'm, I'm documenting that. I, I believe that when 2020 numbers come out, which won't be till 2021, mm. uh, we are going to surpass the amount of fatal overdoses uh, because it is so not talked about right now. Yeah, you're yeah, also going to surpass alcohol too. Alcohol, yep. alcohol-related deaths are going to be jumping up too. I mean, are I you put, guys seeing? I put three people. Yeah, I put, I put three people into detox over the last week and a half. Yeah, and stuff. So yeah, well, they hit the pandemic wall. Very important that we have that. You know, it's being delivered still. It's just, it's essential. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have it's you guys been seeing any uh, alcohol companies advertising lately? I don't see it on TV. No, I haven't seen that in a while. And Corona, no. Corona beer. That's it. Yeah, Corona beer. That's I see the Corona beer. Corona beer. <laughs> the reason I ask is we, we, we uh, you know, I've done some work with um, one of the beverage companies and another thing I'm doing, and mm. they stopped. Yeah. They were helping support what we were doing, and they stopped. And I, yeah. Right after the right after the riots started, you know, the um, protests, they stopped. And I wonder if a lot of it has to do with, you know, maybe a the restaurants aren't buying as much product right now. But B, I wonder if there's a political, you know, there's another part of this that, you know, being responsible for promoting alcohol sales while, yeah. you know, you know. Um, during this time, because I know liquor sales have gone up, 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 up. Oh, yeah. Along well, with the for for uh, cirrhosis and all the other alcohol-related issues, right? Well, it's a, it, it, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think any of us know what the answer is. If we did, then, you know, that would be the case. I know we have had some uh, uh, people on from different treatment centers, um, which is cool, you know, Um but, you know, that's not necessarily, I mean, there's a bigger route to this problem. So I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but. Uh, okay, so I mean, leading the it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Willie. Yeah, I mean, the Globe, you know, what, what it was about, uh, about about two months back, back the Globe was saying how when you have the package stores open, then domestic violence shoots up too. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a student who was working a hotline up in the Burlington Mass area and. They went from like four phone calls a day to four, I mean, four phone calls a week to four to 10 calls a day when the pandemic first began right. to take hold and everyone had to shelter at home and stuff. So, so this is, this is the, 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 um, 
collateral damage that's going to happen as a result of this COVID, right? I mean, that's... And the thing that we're not even talking about, and this is kind of what to lead into, is um, the the U.S. National Library of Medicine is having uh, a webinar, webinar uh, for reaching the hard hard to reach, empowering community members to think differently, embrace teens. We're going to see a huge spike in teens. We just haven't seen it yet um, with SUD and mental health challenges. Uh, it's it's the speakers, the presenters are Stephanie Brody uh, from, is a co-founder of Behavioral Health Innovators, and then uh, Michelle Muffet Lipinski, uh, a co-founder and principal of North Shore Recovery High School. Um, they're doing a, I don't, Mike, I don't know if you got that link or not, but um, I'll post it on the, the MAP webpage. It's a free webinar that you can, um, that you can, um, tune into to, you know, maybe think differently about the teens, because we're really not talking about the teens because I don't know, because they're just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, down here yesterday, there was a 17 year old shot in his car in Taunton and, wow. you know, awful. Yeah. In his car, 17. And, and I mean, I'm not insinuating, but, uh, it, it could happen. Happen. It could happen, but it could happen in any neighborhood. Anywhere. Anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I'm sure it was drug related um, just because, you know, I don't, I don't know. They haven't said, but I'm just, I'm assuming badly. So guys, um, let's talk about, not to cut this off because this, this is a, a long running conversation. It's still going to be there, um, yeah. but we're going to talk modalities. Yes. Yeah. With the one and only Willie Drinkwater, <laughs> adjunct professor, UMass Boston. He's in private practice. He is um, been in the industry for what thirty five years? Thirty two, close enough. All right, All right. I'll, I'll, couple I'll months it. now. You know, I'm starting to get the hang of it. You know? I, I, I'll tune it, tune it up. I'll tune up my uh, pit, my intro. Um, so. Willie can obviously speak to this. These ladies can also speak to it. So let's uh, let's talk modalities. What, yeah, are we, I, I, what is it? What I is mean, it? to get back to talking about the stimulants and stuff too. You know, the the cocaine meth. You know, meth the whole bit. I mean, we know we know from research done that when people come out of the detox phase from stimulants, I mean, they can go into a, uh, a deeper and deeper depression for up to three months. And, you know, the deeper the depression, you know, the, the, the higher the risk of suicidality. And, you know, what are we offering in Massachusetts? 28 day programs, 30 day programs. And I mean, you know, that's just not cutting it. I mean, Harvard, Harvard research has shown that you don't see a significant drop in relapse rates until people get to 100 days of continuous treatment, 100 days, not 28 days, not 30 days. Yet we keep, you know, wanting to create more and more 30 day programs. It's like, uh, you know, they'll say, well, a 100 day program is going to be much more expensive. But yeah, but is it going to be expensive in the long run or not? If you're dropping the relapse rate and you're not getting as many people going back back to that to, to, to that modality of treatment, then why aren't we talking 100 days? programs you know i right. mean you know and stuff utility exercise and utility because they come back and you do it yeah. you're paying for it again what's the you know yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like in the old days when, you know, we, we were celebrating, oh, we got 60 more detox beds across the state and we weren't increasing, you know, even the 30 day programs at that point. So it was like a hit or miss towards the end of your detox day, if you get a better not, you know, right. so, well, that's going to be the battle forever. I mean, these, these state programs, 
I mean, I got a kid that's been in and out of detox. He's been, he relapsed after having significant time. He went, he's been in and out of eight different detoxes in the last 14 days. He wow. leaves, he leaves wow. because, wow. because, because they're doing drugs in the detox. So they say, but yeah. because there's no continuum of care. I mean, he was shooting, he had a particular place in, in, you know, particular place he wanted to go. He couldn't get into it, so he bounced and bounced and bounced until he could get into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, we talk about modalities. You may have already addressed it. Bear with me. Um, so, what kind we of the different? Into it. Okay, good. I'm trying to stay keep us on point here. The ADD guy is trying to keep us focused. How about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay, so there there are different modalities out there or ways to treat addiction and substance use disorders. Um, let's talk about what they are from your perspective, Willie, and have everybody I mean, chime in on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, you know, Chris can can chide, chide, chide in, I'm sure too, you know, CSSTSS, you know, those are the, the I know. Play with <laughs> the acronyms, yes, everybody's those got are, an acronym. Glorified holding pens. Yeah. 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 You know, and, you know, and, and again, I mean, there's supposed to be a standard, a standard of, of treatment and, you know, in these levels of care, but it all depends on the facility you go to. You know, Chris was just talking about having a client that was, you know, bouncing around till they could get into the facility that they wanted, you know, and stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the reason behind is wanting that particular facility, but because I mean, he knew I, that he would be able to stay, hmm. that they would, they would be able to keep him after detox mm -hmm. instead of telling him, so for a continuity of care. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, can you tell us what the acronyms mean, the TSS, CSS? So I've, got, I've got no idea anymore. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> TSS, well, what, with one's a transitional and the other one is, uh, what, what's the CSS? Clinical, clinical stabilization services. Services, yeah. Yeah. And the other one is transitional stabilization, stabilization. services. Right. Yeah. And it's just, so, they're just holdings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, if I'm not mistaken, right? They're just a couple weeks. They're not a full, they're not even a full 30. Yeah, how did it work? I'm sorry. So you go work? to detox for four right. to seven to 14 days, depending upon where you are. Then right. you go into a CSS clinical stabilization services where you can stay for up to two, maybe three weeks at most. Then from there, if you can't get into the quote unquote halfway houses or the 30 day programs, you'll go to a TSS. Right. which is a transitional stabilization services. services and there you can stay for three weeks, whatever the, the end game is you're, you're getting, you're not, you're getting groups. You're not getting therapies. You're not, you know, you might be getting commitments. It's a place to stay safe, that they keep you safe. You're fed. You have a place to put your head. There's bathrooms, obviously showers. It's a place to stay safe. There's not, State funded, right? These aren't the private pay and the insurance. This is no. mass health. A, the private the private treatment program looks like detox, residential, or PHP partial. PHP. PHP yeah. or IOP, right? Right. Nope. And then IOP. And right. then OP. And then OP. Right. They yeah. don't use it goes it. by cost factors. It goes by cost. You know, right. inpatient is always the most expensive. Then the step down is PHP. And that's another level of care where you have a psychiatrist. Oftentimes that's part of the program. So that cost is higher. And then to go to IOP, you have to have, if, if you have psych services, those have to be in place on your own. They're, they're not going to provide psych services at the IOP. 
And then there's, you know, and then there's therapy after that, you know, so, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, to throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing too, is what if you have somebody you're, you're detoxing that, that had prior to detox, they actually have a psych history. Where are you going to send them for stabilization? Exactly. Exactly. The point. That's where D darts come in. Dual diagnosis, addiction, (laughs) treatment, you know, but, but there's, but there's not a lot of those there. I mean, you know, I mean, ball paint, Georgetown Raleigh is the one that I go with because they've got a D dart there you know, and stuff. I mean, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, again, this is, this is a problem that we have in Massachusetts. You know, there were 19 states that picked up a SAMHSA grant years ago to combine their mental health with their addiction services, Uh, Connecticut's among them and stuff. And it's done, it's done nothing but, but, but make it, you know, much, much better for the, for, for, for the individual, you know, I mean, having combined services in Massachusetts though, DMH mental health, DPH addiction, they're both little fiefdoms. They protect their own budgets and they don't like to play in the same sandbox. I mean, they just, I mean, when I worked inpatient psych, that was under DMH and stuff, right? Lost you, lost you, Willie. We lost Lost Willie. I don't know what happened. So I, I guess one of the questions is, um, A, why did Willie's sound go down? But the other question is, the, the, the other question is, is what, you know, I'm hearing all these acronyms. I'm hearing all these names. I'm hearing all this stuff. Um, if I'm an average person, how in the world do I navigate this, these waters, right? How do I navigate it? What is right? what is the right treatment? Who do I trust? Yeah, that's just it, Andy. Trust. You've got to find someone you believe, you know, who can walk you through these things. Cause it is, it's, it's very difficult. You know, find the right treatment center. Do they need dual diagnosis? How do we find out if they need dual diagnosis? What's next after, you know, what's the process? How do they go to sober living? It's the whole, yeah, you need someone who can walk you through it and unbiased someone. Someone who doesn't necessarily work for, you know, for a treatment center, you know. What I mean? Am I back on again? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I had to shut a few applications down that were still open on my laptop. So, oh. that's, that's but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so, so to get back to the DDART thing and stuff too, I mean, that there's really not a lot of them in Massachusetts because, you know, un- until we can combine services, you know, mental health and addiction services, you, you have each of them's a little fiefdom. They protect their own budget. They've got their own outside advocacy groups that always are hitting the state house, you know, to advocate, you know, for DMH or for DPH. It's, uh, it's ludicrous. I mean, with Connecticut's found nothing, nothing, but it's been av- advantageous to the individual to have combined services. You know, well, so. it makes you question, like, do they really want to cure us? You know, do they really want to find that cure or do they want to keep do they want perpetuating business? Yeah. Keep people yeah. sick, you know, mm-hmm. but all right, let's get into, let's get into talk to about, you know, CBT, MET, not Matt, not Matt. Um, and so on. ACT, so ACT. I know that's your favorite one. Um, Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about those. Um, let's dive in a little bit. Let's try to hit all of them if we can. Okay. Um, and what are the most common and why you use them? So like, what is it? So I know like part of the addiction problem is the, the urge, right? You get that urge. So how do we break that urge? What do we do? Um, when you have somebody that's on MAT that has to take it every day, mm. multiple times a day, you have that repetition. That's, that's an addiction. Ultimately. Medicated, assi- medicated, assisted treatment. treatment. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, something I'd like to see, Chris, something I, I, I would love to see, too, is that, you know, when you have somebody in the end, you know, in, in detox and stuff that, you know, that that they're actually explaining about Matt. I've, I've yet to see like any de- detox that does a group on Matt for the patients. Well, you know, these are the pros and cons of, of Suboxone. These are the pros and cons of Methadone. I mean, they don't. That's a, a lot of they times. Don't tell them. They don't tell yeah. them that Suboxone withdrawals will be worse. So yeah. as you know, I'm, I've been taking statements for Purdue Pharma lawsuit. And yeah. one of the questions that I have to ask, are you on any MAT services? Have you been on any MAT? Mm-hmm. And hands down, the last statement is, if they had told me the withdrawals had been worse than the drugs that I was using before, I never would have done them. I never would have done MAT. I never would have done Suboxone. And now, now we're starting to see, you know, the long-term use studies that are coming out about like Suboxone. For n- number one, it affects bone, bone density, which is not really a good thing you want. And this, the second one, which 23. is the, yeah, you know, and, 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 and the, the, the second thing that that's coming out of the longitudinal studies is that it flattens affect, you know, it's like, you never, you're never really happy, but you're never really sad. You are just sort of there, you know, so oh, really you numb. yeah, it almost has, you know, like a, a, a zombieing effect, so to speak. You know, yeah. it's, and that's coming out of the longitudinal studies. I mean, you know, so. But they're, but again, they're not going to talk about those. They're not going to tell you about those things. When Suboxone was first out, I mean, I was there when it was first coming out. And what one of the, uh, you know, what one of the, one of the things was, it was thought of in terms of, okay, this will be a good tool for early recovery. We'll put somebody on and the month three, we'll start to taper off. And by month, month six, they'll be done, you know? So, so anyway, I was at a workshop years ago where the, uh, that like two years ago, where uh, the last day there was a panel on, on, on Matt, you know, it was the annual Harvard treating the addictions. And one of my mentors was on the panel and stuff. And this, this guy from Indiana was up at the mic asking a question and he was saying, you know, when should people come off of Suboxone? And, you know, and this, this person of mine who was a mentor said, I don't think they should ever come off. If it's working for them, then they should stay on it. And, and afterwards, I went up, I went up to this, 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 this former mentor of mine, and I said, you know, in the beginning, I thought we were all on the same page, you know, you know, you, you put them, you know, you, you, you do Suboxone, and then month three, we start to taper off month six. And I said, you know, w- what changed your mind? Because all of a sudden now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing after all the years, j- j- just to stay on it, you know, and stuff. And, he, you know, and he, you know, he was like this and this. And jokingly, I said to him, because it's the way I am. I said, geez, geez, you sound like somebody that owns stock in Wreck-It Benzler. And he turned, he turned like seven shades of red and turned around and walked away. And I haven't spoken to him since. Wow. Lily, you got, are they getting kickbacks? I mean, the doctors were. Of course were, they are. And of course the, they are. You know, they're getting you know, kickbacks. You know, getting, I mean, you know who like is part of Suboxone, right, Lily? Oh yeah. Yeah. Purdue well, Pharma. Yeah. 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 So I went and saw Peter Coleman um, Mm -hmm. from Peter Coleman Institute, and he did a seminar on Suboxone. And it was, um, it was very, it changed my understanding from it. Mm. And what he did is he did a three-year study and he put X amount of people on it with, with treatment, with uh, supportive services, with monitoring, blah, 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 the whole nine yards. And he put, he did it right. He did it right. He did it right. Then he did the the placebos, right? Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. supportive services, 
monitoring, so on and so forth. He did the Suboxone with just the Suboxone, no services, placebos, no services. Mm. And what he discovered is that, you know, you, you do about a two to three year window, but one of those, almost one of those years is the tapering and you're still getting those supportive services and that's what works. Right. So when you do Suboxone, when you take Suboxone, you're supposed to be getting therapies. You're supposed to have a Absolutely. You're right. supposed to be like checking, hey, are you, how are you feeling? Do you feel like you're all messed up or do you feel okay? How are your mm -hmm. cravings? You know, unfortunately, these kids, they recognize that feeling. Mm. They want that feeling, even though they yeah. want to be sober, they want that feeling. So all they do is continue to say they know what to say. I mean, I oh, yeah. I've been hearing it for, for, well, for three I mean, weeks. Th that's the same thing. That's the same thing that was happening in all the universities and and colleges in Boston when it when it came down to uh, you know to uh, to Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. Is they would they would Google the signs and symptoms of ADD. They go into a student health center that they parrot them back, and then they get a script. But what the universities are doing now, they they finally smartened up. What they're doing now is they're uh, is they're is they're saying, oh, it, it definitely sounds like you have the signs and symptoms, but you're going to have to go to your own physician in order to get a script. Yeah, so yeah. they they not because we're the number one we're the number one state for the abuse of Adderall in the whole country, wow. and you know it comes down to all the universities and colleges that we yeah. have. You know? I mean, so it's let crazy. Me, let me ask a question. Um, yeah. you know we talk about twelve step programs, mm. right? As as a uh, you know ther you know treatment or no, not it's not treatment. No Community recovery. <laughs> but how uh, how flawed is the logic? that how many people out there would you say they just you know say oh i'm going to enter into a 12-step program and that's the only bit of treatment that i'm going to do and it depends right lily i mean yeah i yeah i mean that that is yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know, I know pr programs in Fairfield County, Connecticut, you know, aftercare programs for from detox. And the whole thing is based on 12 step. There's nothing else offered. It's just right. about 12 step. And it's like, you're basically, you're charging people for a community support. So, I mean, I don't know how you, how you get away with that, but I mean, you know, there's no, there's, there, there's no CBT, DBT, no motivational interviewing, you know, they've, they've got, uh, you know, they, they've got like one social worker, you know, I mean, you know, and, and they're charging big, big bucks because it's talk, Fairfield County. Let's talk about co um, cognitive behavior therapy. Um, CBT. <laughs> Feelings yeah. are not facts. Feelings are not well, facts. You know, but, it, it, but for yeah. those who, you know, um, yeah. you know, my understanding is, yeah. is that cognitive behavior therapy is looking at the values, the belief systems that you have and how are they working for you? You know, right, what are your values? What are your beliefs? What do you want out of life and stuff? Right. You know, I, I get people off and on all the time thinking about going back to school and they go, wow, I can never go back to school. And it's like, oh, why have you tried before? Uh, no, then, then what are you basing it on? There's no fact to say that you can't go back to school. Feelings are not facts. Feelings come and go, you know? Right. So, so, so that's, you know, but that's a lot of self-talk and then there's um, labeling mm. and there's uh, catastrophizing and there's, you know, oh, so God, you sound like a group that I do. do you? Distorted, <laughs> reading distorted it thinking. The computer. Oh, no, oh, I know. I live it. I learned it, lived it, and loved it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 out your tongue. There's a big old green dot, little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it's it, it's it's. Do you funny. smell what the Andrews? 
No, yeah, that's right. But it has nothing to do. I mean, it's no, it, it applies to everybody, right? It's mm-hmm. like your trauma or whatever you had in your past shapes your narrative, and then absolutely. How, how do you? Well, I mean, the big, the big three narrative. Come the on, big three. Andy, you're reading it. No. The big, <laughs> the big three. I always see the big, the the big three that always come up for people that keep going back into detox over and over and over and over again. Trauma, grief, abandonment. That they, right. that they don't get addressed. They're being told, you know, and don't get me wrong, 12-step definitely has its place, absolutely. But, you know, they're being told, you know, go to a meeting, get a sponsor, you know, uh, join an AWOL, and that's supposed to be the whole answer. Well, if you're bleeding from the eye sockets figuratively from a trauma issue and flashbacks, that's not going to be enough. Right. It's just not. It's not going to be I would enough. Like to meet, I would like to meet somebody that is hmm. has an addiction problem that has not experienced trauma. Please, oh, yeah, introduce yeah. me. Because yeah, they yeah. don't exist. Of, of course. Now, okay, yeah. so now there's other things. So there's acceptive cognitive therapy, which ACT, right? Mm-hmm. But what's the difference between that and cognitive? Acceptance, right? Like uh, just understanding and going with it. Yeah, I mean, I think of, I think of CBT as like a directed study. It's a directed study more or less. You know, I give you readings. We talk about the readings. We talk about your values, your beliefs. Uh, to put ACT to the, to the side for right now, DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, that's basically CBT um, mixed with Zen and you have a workbook. You have workbook exercises that you can go through with somebody. CBT has workbooks too, but I like to think of like DBT as sort of like an undergraduate course and like CBT is a graduate course j- just for the sake of an argument. But yeah, it's, it's different approach. I mean, you usually think of DBT more with personality uh, disorders because right. it really gives a structure to it, a structure to work through it and stuff. Uh, um, I, I have a client now, thank, thank you, Chris, that we're, where we're doing DBT, where we're going to be doing a DBT workbook together, you know, and okay. going through it. When I'm feeling this, what are healthy choices that I can do instead of burning or cutting or acting out, you know? So, so and then the tools, right? Like girl is, interrupted, yeah. DBT is kind of more on a mental health end of it mm-hmm. or it, does it break the addiction you know do you use it with the addiction or do you use it more in the mental health i mean i know that there's no you know anybody that struggles with addiction dbt will help but is it is it sure. more commonly used for mental health i.e uh i see it used like, used more for personality disorders mental health okay. more so yeah okay so what is the common one that you would more used for uh, I use CBT. Addiction. I mean, across the board, you usually, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, with addiction, it's like, you know, you know, what do you want out of life? What do you, I mean, you can grow up in a home where everyone's yelling and screaming and fighting and kicking, and that's normal for you. Right. If it's healthy or not, that's a whole separate issue. So a lot of, a lot of times I'm getting people, you know, they grow up, they, they, they leave that family real origin. They look back at their family and they go, wow, that was really screwed up you know yeah. and stuff and it's yeah, like getting out from under that 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 escaping yeah. that yeah. repro yeah. i mean i always say it's like reprogramming myself i've had to reprogram everything i learned as a child over the years no, no a lot of people do because they didn't grow grow up in healthy environments that that's why i never talk good bad right or wrong with my clients i'm saying hey is that healthy or unhealthy for you was that healthy or unhealthy for you you know yeah. good bad right or wrong i mean it's Not interesting for you but to it's, decide it's right it's, it's for right. them to decide Right. Um, we hear a lot about holistic. We're going to give you holistic treatment. What exactly is holistic? Uh, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's vegetables. 
you know, holistic <laughs> approach. Green is purple asparagus. <laughs> Yogurt, maybe two. Holistic. Yeah. No. Oh, I had yeah. a holistic breakfast. <laughs> yeah, holistic breakfast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, again, you know, I w- work with a lot of mental health, you know, and I'll get somebody say with bipolar disorder, and it's I'm not going to take any, you know, blessed pharmaceuticals. I've had it with that, and I'll say, all right, then why don't you go down to McLean's and get, get involved either with their taurine amino acid study or their omega three fish oil, and they go what? And it's like, yeah, they, they've had these studies for 30 years now for bipolar two disorder, taurine amino acid. It's an amino acid. It's an animal uh, only found in animal pro protein. Uh, it has a mood stabilizing effect. That's the reason for, for the bipolar two with, the, you know, for, uh, for, for bipolar one disorder, o- omega three fish oil, you know, and it, you know, it does. And, and they do a control group. They, you know, you, you don't know if you're on it or not till the end of the three months, you know, and stuff. And they'll right. say, well, what do you think? Do you think you were on the real deal or do you think it was, you know? Uh, yeah. It- Kimberly wants to, Kimberly yeah, is trying that- to chime in. Go, go ahead, Kimberly. Isn't it yeah. also the meditation, the yoga, the Zen? Oh, yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Introspection, the, all that kind of stuff would be considered holistic. Acupuncture. Sure. Reiki. Yeah. Reiki's voodoo to me. I tried Reiki once and I thought she was trying to elevate me off the table. Freaked me out. I actually went twice. The second time the lady made all kinds of noises. It really, she's getting, I'm getting all the energy out. I'm getting, maybe she was hungry. It was, we had her on the show. We had one of these ladies on the show, our old show. Um, Talk about EMDR. Are you familiar with that? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's it's a way to work through trauma, right? Because right. this is really, I think the 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 whole crux of this whole thing. Wouldn't you say? I mean, we talk about that trauma, PTSD. Yeah. Really getting in front of that because that's why people want to self medicate. I think in the first place, I would say. Well, a lot I, of people I could self- be wrong. I don't. I but. mean, it it might be why they started but they continue to use because they don't want to be sick at the end of the day. It's the sickness is why they continue to use and they have never been. Right. They use just to feel normal. Right. They have right. to use just to yeah. feel normal because the body, right. you know, the central nervous system is screaming for this. Yeah. Right. And they die if they have feelings. feelings are going to, if I have these feelings out, it'll never stop. I'll never stop crying or I'll never, you know what I mean? I don't know what to do. with feelings. I always feel that I, you know, I was here from, from, from young adults I used because then I felt like I fit in mm-hmm. and, and that just, that blows my mind to think like, what could be so terribly wrong with somebody's life that they have to use a, a drug to, like you said, Willie, to feel normal. Like well, we, we don't do enough education. We, we don't do right. enough ed- education on, you know, when you, when you go to a party and you meet people, you're going to have anxiety. I mean, right. you, you may feel anxious. It's, and so it's, does everybody it's natural. Else. You know what right. I mean? Then so does right. everybody else. You're not like, nobody talks about it. Like, Oh, we're all awkward. Or we're all, so they think yeah. they're, alone, but they're not alone. You know, they're, I mean, it, it goes back to society. It goes back to, yeah. if you're not wearing Abercrombie and Finch, if you're not driving a nice, they're going car, under. Yeah. If you don't have a big house, if you don't have a swimming pool, you know, if dad isn't a doctor or a CEO, you know, you're never going to make it. If you don't have a welcome, cell- welcome to the North shore, Chris. Yeah, but yeah, you have Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and you have so many other people that take their own lives yeah. on paper. They have everything, right? right? But, but it's still in here, right? right. still, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. I think really kind of understanding who and what you are, how important is in, in, 
you know, I don't know what your uh, religious beliefs are. I don't know if you have any religious beliefs. I'm a Catholic, Zen, Judeo, Dallas, Muslim, Christian, born again, pagan. It's a higher power. <laughs> power, power, right? Like to take the best of it power. all. Right. Yeah. How important to you hmm. is, uh, you know, I, you know, for me, I have spirituality. It drives my life. It does. It just, hmm. um, whatever, you know, I know that if I try to force something, I'm in trouble, right? If I take things and, and you know, if my ego is driving it or, or whatever, I'm in trouble. I have to literally sit back and let kind of things take shape and really go with, um, you know, direction from the man upstairs, right? I oh, have yeah. to. Woman upstairs. Women, woman upstairs or It's got to be a woman. It can't be a guy. Whatever. How, in, in the world of treatment, right? Mm. How, I mean, is that something you even address or do you kind of stay away from that, not to get into the weeds with that? Do you even have that discussion? It's a higher yeah, I mean, power. Hmm. Yeah. That's how, it's, that's how it's addressed. It's addressed a higher power. Everybody has a higher power. If you choose to call it God, that's your higher power. Hmm. That's how they address it. That's, that's their safe verbiage in treatment. Your higher power, but isn't that part of cognitive therapy to say that there's somebody else out there? There's something no, out that's there. part of 12 step HP, uh, 12 step, right, right? Right, yeah. But, but how do you talk CBT, about that? No, I mean, in I mean, CBT itself, you know, values and beliefs and morals that you know it's it may come up in the conversation, it may come up they were raised in a certain uh, denomination or you know they have certain beliefs, but uh, yeah, I mean, it isn't it. The the uh, the bureau, the substance abuse bureau, wants spirituality to be included in all forms of treatment and stuff. Something about spirituality in 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 you know in all forms of treatment, and you can find empirical studies which will will show the benefits of spirituality as a component within recovery and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I I have clients that are atheists. I mean, hey, Ron Reagan, see for you. 12, for twelve step, it's definitely though the foundation. I will absolutely. Yeah. Um, speak to that for some for some but, but, but that's like the not yeah, for 12 I mean, step, it's for all 12 yeah. so you it's part of the 12 steps you have to right come to believe yeah. that a power greater than yourself can restore your sanity that's yeah. part yeah. of the whole thing a smart recovery, on the other hand, is like CBT based, where where AA, AA would say the twelve steps would say that you need to rely on something greater than yourself. Uh, smart recovery says no, you need to look at your values, your beliefs, what do you want out of life, and you you have the power within yourself to make the changes. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, and how do you? I've got clients that go to both. I mean, you know. Yeah. You pick I, I mean, I mean, part of me like when you see when you see patients, Willie, and you mm -hmm. and you're like. I mean, isn't there at the end of the day, somebody who wants to get well? I mean, doesn't it really come down to that? Like, if you don't really want it bad enough, you could they say whatever want. you they could say. Well, well, the the thing I, the, the, I mean, the, the thing that seems to pop out at me over the years is, is you know, when do you stay in recovery? When, when, when do you stay in long term uh, recovery? And I think it comes down to the pain factor when the when the pain of just the thought of picking up again and you know the consequences that you're going to pay when that, when just that, that painful thought is greater than the pain you go through to make changes within yourself. So you don't feel the need to pick up. And it happens different times for different people. Some people have to half kill themselves. Some, some people never get it, you know, and stuff. So I think pain's a great motivator. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about trauma informed care? Yes. Good, good YouTube. Uh, Vicki Kelly, she does a great Ted talk on, on, uh, on trauma informed care. Vicki Kelly. 
So for for those of you at home that want to write what, what that does down, that mean? And what is what does it exactly mean? What does that exactly mean? Thank you. What trauma informed care? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's when people are exposed to trauma, which is pretty much everybody, if not anybody, um, and then you basically figure out. I don't know. Willie, I mean, that's why. So. Yeah, I mean, tra- 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 trauma-informed care is, you know, there's been there's been something that happened to you, and here we go back to family of origin again, and uh, trauma-informed care, what, what are the difficulties when you're working with people with trauma is a lot of times they're the... Uh, um, they're, they're the least open to talking about it or dealing with it, even though they would benefit from it. So, oh, there, there she is. Thanks, Vicky and stuff. Oh, yeah. God. You know, so, I mean, you know, trauma-informed care is that, you know, you're, you're basing your treatment, you're basing your treatment on the fact that this person has trauma, has trauma issues. And it's amazing the number of uh, uh, people, it's, they, it's, it's, it's viewed as being the number one cause of heart disease in the United States. A trauma. Really? is trauma trauma that occurs when you're a kid yeah. number one cause of heart disease in the united states listen to the vicky kelly the ted talk that that she does and she goes into all these i mean we didn't have ptsd ptsd wasn't a diagnosis till 1985 1985 what 1985 and there's it's, civilian ptsd it's not just veterans oh yeah so, yeah so. no but for years, I mean, we had, you know, I mean, you know, all, all the, you know, all the wars that people fought in and stuff, you know, there wasn't PTSD. It was just, you know, battle fatigued. I mean, I remember my father, my, my, my grandparents telling me when my father came back from World War II, he was a waste gunner in a B-17. And he had a watch that he kept with and, him the whole time? No, I mean, no, but the thing my grandparents said is when he was first home, if a plane was going, oh, if a plane started going over the house, he'd dive under the kitchen table. Because the you know the B seventeen base he was at they used to get strafed by Messerschmitts coming in you know there'd be wow. raids and stuff so I mean that's that's trauma that's not you know that's PTSD that's not quote battle fatigue that's so PTSD that, that comes when back we're doing when we're doing trauma when we're doing trauma automatically comes back up right is that yeah. will, is that right yeah what was the line Kim sorry I, just, I was just wondering. If you keep shoving, you can't shove stuff like that down. You can't just ignore it. You have to yeah. somehow expel or walk through or talk about or take the power out of it somehow. Got to work through it. I mean, you know, and, and you know, in the case of veterans and stuff too, uh, uh, Lisa Najavitz down in McLean, she added on a veterans group to the DBSA meetings there and stuff. And because I mean, look at the Gulf Wars, the rate of suicide. I mean, it's through the wall. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's just it's just insane. But a lot of, a lot of times, you know, vets with trauma are only really going to be able to to, to identify and be, come to resolution with other vets and right. stuff. So, would you so recommend, is, I'm sorry, but would you recommend, you know, if you have trauma, I don't know how you integrate the family into people, you know, when you, if somebody has trauma, um, addressing it with a family member, do you? Well, I mean, if the family's the causation of the trauma, then, then, then we yeah, but they don't mean, but they too. may not want to accept that, right? They may not want right. to say, we did everything we could as a parent, we gave you the best possible life we can, you know, that's on you. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, and then you get the families where, where, where I'd have a family meeting and stuff and the client would be saying what, what you know, what they experienced, what happened. And you get a family member going, oh, you know, that didn't really happen. You know, that's <laughs> that's not the way it was. And you've got the client wanting to go out of their freaking mind, you know, right. and no, it is how it happened. And then you, you're trying to get both sides saying, you know, you can have different perspectives and that's OK. But it's yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's it, tough. Yeah, 
Oh, that never happened. Yeah, 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 the the denial cam. Crazy. Different treatment for different um, age groups, like for children, you know, young adults. How do you treat? would would what what would be a preferred measure for a younger adult or does it real or a younger person or does it really matter throwing that out there chris you want to i mean you know but i don't i don't work with adolescent teen i mean i know of services for adolescent teen but it's, that's not my area still use they still use the cbt dbt they used yeah. to use all of those it's just at a different it's just how they present it i would assume um yeah, yeah i mean i've heard of kids i mean my granddaughter is in therapy and, and they do uh, CBT with her, mm-hmm. um, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's just on how it's presented. Um, Willie. Yeah. Uh, you could do like a Sesame street version of that too. It's like show them two oranges, a bag of heroin. One of these things is not like, the, no, <laughs> and, and, anyway, just a thought. Sorry. <laughs> uh, motivational enhancement therapy. Motiva- you- yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I do bits and pieces sometimes depending upon the need of the client, but, but, but I'm a cheerleader with, with my clients too. Like they'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay sober. It's like, you're not trying, you're doing it. You mean continuing to do it? I mean, that, that's something, you know, that that's something different. You know, it's like you are doing it. You're not trying to do it. It's almost like saying the word trying that you're going to allow if you fall off and you pick up again, that that's okay. Cause you were just trying. It's like, you're right. not trying, you're doing it, you know, and you've been doing a great job and, you know, right. and you've been going to meetings and, you know, you've been making your appointments here and, you know, and you're looking for work. And yeah. So, I mean, I do the pom pom, you know, yeah. bit, bit, they don't give themselves credit a lot. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and I do a lot of work on self-esteem and self-worth. Right. And I think that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we use a little bit of everything Yes. to rise up I, who we're working with, whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. I'm always amazed at therapists that say, well, I, I just use, you know, I, I just use family transitional therapy. And then it's like, really? I mean, you don't, you don't try to adapt your approach depending upon the client's needs. I mean, right. you know, you know, right. it's not a one shoe size. It's not a one size fits all. It's right. a little bit of this. Somebody might need more motivational. It's the, know? it's the phrase, it's the phrase that drives my students nuts, Chris, when I always say though. So, well, you know, what about this and this? And I always go, it's case by case. And they just want to go, it's like, you always say it's case. I said, it is, you know, treatments based on that individual story. It's, you know, right, so yeah. it, can, it is always case by case. Can I, can I air something? Uh, uh, sure. event, something I, uh, you know, we've had some marketers on from different treatment facilities. And then I just got something in the mail that one of the treatment facilities has declared bankruptcy, which I am certainly not surprised in any way. But my question is, is I've gotten really irritated by the whole thing, <laughs> all these treatment facilities and hearing the stories and, and, and stuff. Cause, and, and this is going to probably be, you know, controversial or whatever, but it just, it strikes me like if, if you're doing such a great job, why do we have such a big problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we you need a hundred go, go ahead chris <laughs> as long as you have doctors that continue to, pres- to prescribe opiates for bumps bruises and um sore throats this problem will be here forever because it's yeah, still the, happening and okay. i like to throw to throw in too i don't think any primary care should be allowed to prescribe anything psychoactive Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. It was a 20, 20 hour course at Harvard, you know, on mental health and addiction. And it was an elective when they went through medical school. They're so not required. How do, we, yeah. how do we stop? I mean, how do we get to that level? How do we get to the, to the place where we're talking to doctors? 
hey, you can't do that. There's an ethical, there's an ethical issue here too. You know, this is what's causing it. Can we please well, stop? Well, the op- yeah, I mean, as far as the opiate thing, you know, the medical schools now, I know Harvard Medical School, they're, re- they're required to take a course on opiates. And I, I think, you know, in one way, it all comes back to money. It's like, you know, you keep prescribing opiates, you're going to end up getting sued eventually. And someone is going to take you to the uh, cleaners. So right. I think, I don't think it was just for the good of the, uh, the good of the public and the people. I think it was, Hey, Hey docs, you need to be aware of this opiate thing because it could cost you down the road and stuff. Cause we, was, we are getting to, yeah. I was speaking to somebody uh, the other day who was not from Florida, but went down to Florida mm. because of the pill mills. So yeah. this particular person told me that after he was originally cut off from his prescriptions, he literally could walk from this street, go in, complain about this, and walk out with a script. He could walk two blocks, go into that place, do the same thing. And by the end of the day, he could have between seven and 10 scripts, different drugs, because he'd go for the Percocet. And then this one would try to give him the Percocet. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I can't have Percocet. It gives me really bad, you know, the side effects. So they right. get the Vicodin and so on and so on and so forth. And by the end of the day, the kid's a walking pharmacist, you know, with all these different pills. He'd do the same thing with the different drugstores because the drugstores didn't have that correlating. Pharmacy uh, registry. Right. Like we do in registry. Massachusetts and most of New England. Right. Yeah. right. And I, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like, how are you still alive? Like the drugs that you're telling me that you have, what? Don't they sell them to support their habit? The ones that they get extra? Yeah, but they did They did it too. Like they were doing it too. They were doing the drugs and it's like, it was yeah. just this cycle, right. you know? Well, that's what yeah. I used to call the Charlestown method back in the late 80s, the early 90s. You get a script, you keep half, you sell half. Right. Yeah. So, so guys, Kimberly's going to take us out. We, uh, good discussion. It was a really good discussion. I, I really appreciate you uh, being with us today, Mr. Drinkwater. And um, thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. And um, Kimberly, take us out. And you know. Friday, we're here with um, Robin Houston Bean um, from the Sun, <laughs> the Sun Will Rise Foundation. The, so bean. the, the bean. The bean. Yep. Great, 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 great woman. Okay. And we'll be right. very educational. Thank you so much for your input. Really appreciate it. Well, if, we, if somebody wants to- I love you guys, you. man. I love you guys. You know, We, we love you. Mr. Drinkwater, <laughs> give your email address, please. Give a, a phone number or don't give a phone number. But yeah, somebody... I mean, my- yeah, my, my email address is William.drinkwater, all one word. I had somebody last week actually put a hyphen between drink and water. I don't know why, you know, but yeah. So William.drinkwater at you- as in Ulysses, M is in Massachusetts, B is in Boston. Dot edu, and then my uh, my my phone number, my business cell is seven eight one five seven two 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 nine zero. All right. Well, he's a he's a good man. And I'm available for children's parties too. So yeah. <laughs> stand up comedy. Willie, that's it. Magic that's time. It. Magic time with Willie. <laughs> yeah. right? Don't don't even go there. That's just. <laughs> That's too easy, man, to work off. All right. On that note, have a good week. Rest of the week, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Friday, 9.30. See you. You've been listening to the map, everyone. Thank you all again for supporting our mission. And we'll see you, like I said, Friday, 9.30.
Bye. 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 Bye.